prayer really work? Can prayer actually change our real-world situations? Is it okay for us to set prayer goals? Things we want to achieve and then pray and ask God to help us get there? Or is that a selfish way to pray? Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Prayer Changes Good morning, church. We are, I don't want to fall down this hole. It goes all the way to the pits of hell, I think, so I'll just make sure it's covered up. It's the one that Mr. What's-His-Name in The Simpsons has. What's his name? Mr. Burns. Yeah, the trapdoor. Um, so we are, we are doing prayer changes we're talking about prayer for the whole month of October, and last week we looked at the subject, Prayer Changes Things, and we saw how um, prayer can have a powerful effect at actually changing circumstances in our life, and we saw lots of promises in the Bible, especially from Jesus, who said, if we ask, we will receive, and if we ask in faith, believing that we've already received, it will be done. And prayer does change things. And you know, last week at the service, at the end of each of our our two services, our prayer team came down the front and we prayed for people that came forward for prayer for healing, who wanted healing. And, um, you know, we pray for a number of people. And very often, Can I just say something to you, people, when you get healed or an answer to prayer happens or something wonderful like that happens? It's really good if you tell us, you know, it's it's really helpful if you tell us. I mean, like, I don't know how many times I've been in the foyer having coffee and then somebody has said something to me about, oh, yeah, when I was healed of cancer. And I said, oh, when was that? Oh, don't you remember you prayed for me six months ago and what you got healed? Yeah. Well, you never told us, you know, it's encouraging for the people doing the praying to hear there's some good results, because sometimes people get prayed for, and then they don't know until weeks later that, you know, whether they're any better or not, sometimes it takes tests, sometimes people are are like, they know instantly, and so last week at the, the early service, the 930 service, this one, Um, At the end of it, there was a woman who had tennis elbow and had no movement in her arm and had a lot of pain in her arm, and one of the prayer team members prayed for her, and, and then I happened to walk past later on, and she said to me, can you pray for me again? One of the prayer team members just prayed for me, and I'm 90% better, but I want to be 100% better. So I said, okay, so I I, I like, I just prayed, so that... By the way, I know sometimes, oh, I want Pastor Martin to pray for me because he he was speaking. But it wasn't even me that prayed for, you know, it's not people that heal, it's God that heals. Okay, the other person prayed, it was actually Drake's mom prayed for this woman and she got 90% healed and I just prayed that God would finish the last 10% and she was, I think, there in the third row and she was totally healed, completely healed in the morning service. Then in the 11.15 service, um, someone came forward and said, can you pray for my daughter 
and she has, uh, her, she has hearing problems. She had operations four years ago, but the hearing is still deteriorating. Apparently, and normal hearing is you can hear things at 15 decibels, but it had to be 55 decibels for this girl to hear anything. And so we prayed, and we prayed over a prayer cloth, and I said, just stick it under her pillow so she sleeps on top of it at night. And then we got an email during the week that she went to get her hearing test, 15 decibels, totally perfect hearing. And so... We will, be share, we will have an opportunity to share these stories more fully with you sometime in the future. But prayer changes things, people. We, you know, oh, it was just a coincidence. That would have happened anyway. Isn't it funny that coincidences happen a lot more right after you pray about the thing? Isn't that strange? And, and listen, maybe there's a scientific formula. Coincidences happen as long as you say a prayer first. So I'm just going to keep the prayer going because that seems to make the coincidences happen a lot more in our lives. And so prayer changes things. However, we all know about situations that we have prayed about and nothing seems to have changed. What about the person who has got hearing problems and hasn't yet been healed? What about that? And you know, a lot of uh, scientific investigations have been done looking into the power of prayer. But one of the things is, it is really difficult to test uh, the power of prayer in most circumstances. And it's also difficult to test in the praying for a distance thing. Let's say, you know, there's a problem with somebody in Calgary and we're going to pray here for them. And does that problem change? And if that problem changes, was it anything to do with us praying here? It's really hard to make a cause and effect connection. So when, when people are doing scientific investigations into the power of prayer, what they tend to do is focus on prayer for healing and prayer for healing not at a distance but when someone has actually laid hands on somebody and prayed for them to be healed because it's much easier to establish a cause and effect. You know, we prayed for this person, the, this was their condition before it and this was their condition after it. And so a lot of, a lot of surveys and investigations have been done of all of the different ways the healing ministry happens. You know, so some of them have been done when a famous, you know, preacher who has a healing ministry uh, comes to town and rents a big auditorium and thousands of people are there and people come up on the platform and say they've been healed and so on. The investigations have been done amongst all those people and the other people who didn't seem to get healed. Then it's not just that kind. Also investigations have been done in just normal churches like we did last week where there's just a prayer team or sometimes just members of the congregation praying for one another. What are the effects of prayer for healing in those situations? Then they've looked at things like um, what, what about home or hospital visitation where elders or pastors or chaplains come and visit somebody and pray for them, perhaps anoint them with oil. In those kind of environments, what are the situations? Now, you might think that some famous preacher that's on the TV and that fills auditoriums of 40,000 people, that, that probably more people get healed there. But here's the really interesting thing about this, uh, all these surveys. 
It doesn't matter who does the praying or where the praying takes place. The results are almost identical when they bring out the percentages and all of these things because it's not the people who heal and it's not the place that heals. It's the God that we are praying to that heals. So it doesn't matter who does the praying or where they do the praying. It's, it's the God that they're praying to that's important. Now, here are the... the Give or take a few percentage points, here are how most of them come out. They're, they're not all exactly the same, but they're pretty similar. Usually a quarter of the people surveyed say that they were totally healed as a result of the healing prayer. Then about 25% say that they're partially healed. You know, like the woman who says, I'm 90% better, but I'm not a full 100% better. Well, she could have gone home like that. And if she had been getting surveyed at the door, somebody would say, were you totally healed? She'd have said, no, but I was partially healed. But thankfully, she stayed for extra prayer and got totally healed, okay? So 25%, 25%. Then about another quarter of people say, well, no, I wasn't healed. The condition that I went for to get prayer for didn't clear up. But while I was getting prayer, something else happened. My anxiety left. Um, um, I suddenly received peace of mind. Um, I've been suffering from depression for ages, and I suddenly was filled with joy. I wasn't healed of this situation, but I was spiritually blessed in some way that helped me go on with my life. And then about another um, quarter of the people um, who are prayed for say that they got no, they experienced no change whatsoever. Now, what do you do about these situations? I mean, this fits very similar into, do you remember Jesus told the parable of the sower? And he says the sower sows the seed of God's word, but it lands on four different soil types. Some of them produce a lot of fruit and some just a little and some none at all, you know? I just think that's similar. And I don't know this for sure, but I would take a guess that this doesn't just count for healing, but that if you think about your prayer life in general and things that you have prayed about, you will know that in some situations, wow, you got this shazam answer to prayer, you know? And then in some other ones, well, the, it, the prayer seemed to help the situation, but didn't fully solve it. And some other ones, you were given peace of mind to cope with the situation. And in some other ones, you're still grumbling about it because you don't know what to do. So I'm sure in all of our prayer life, um, we could, uh, we, you know, we, we could imagine those kinds of things. What happens if somebody is partially healed or not healed? Well, we don't have to stop praying. We don't have to give up. Just like the woman that I mentioned that we prayed a second time and she got the extra 10% of her healing. Um, the story I told about Peggy and Donna last week, Peggy was completely healed overnight of her conditions, but Donna got prayer month after month after month, and it took a whole year for her to, to be healed. But there was no way that through medical help she was going to get any better, so the time wasn't a problem to her. It took a year of prayer um, for, for her to be fully healed and her curvature and her spine to straighten up and so on. And so um, some, just because someone's not fully healed, just because they're partially healed or not healed at all, doesn't mean we give up praying. Do you remember one time they brought a blind man to Jesus and Jesus ministered healing to him? And then he said to the man, what can you see? And he says, I can see people walking about, but I can't see their features. They just look like big trees 
big trees walking. So Jesus then prayed for the man a second time and he was totally healed. So partial healing doesn't mean we'll just give up and be thankful for that you got anything. You can pray more. And what if you didn't get healed at all? Well, you remember the time they brought that epileptic boy to Jesus' disciples and the disciples prayed for him and he never got healed. And then the man came to Jesus and said, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you're one of the 25%. They just don't get anything. Sorry, pal. He's, Jesus said, oh, you people of little faith, bring the boy to me. And Jesus healed him. So a lack of healing doesn't mean there's a denial on God's part. You know, keep pressing in. Keep pressing in is what I'm saying. But I do wonder if in all of our prayer life, there are times when we pray about a situation and God resolves it instantly. There are other times that we we pray about a situation and it seems to take a long time and a lot of prayer to work out. And there's other times we pray about a situation and the situation doesn't change, but perhaps it's us that need to change our perception of of the situation. Just for those of you who like the science, but just put up the next slide. Dr. David Lewis of Nottingham University in 1985 did a study on healing prophecy and other spiritual phenomena. He went to a big conference in the UK that was lasting a week where thousands of people were being trained in healing and prophecy, and he witnessed lots of people being healed. He interviewed doctors, and he interviewed the people, and he worked out how much could this have been guesswork? Could this have been mass hysteria? Could this have been hypnosis? Could this have been this? And he eliminated all of these things, and at the end of the day, he said, people seem to know things about other people that they have no way of knowing, and people who had genuine physical conditions no longer have them, and the explanation that the conference gave is that God is a miracle-working God. That was his conclusion. I mean, like, it's an excellent study. Then there was another one just recently done by Dr. Candy Gunther Brown. Imagine being called Candy. Imagine calling your kid Candy. Anyway, if you're called Candy, I apologize. But anyway, she's a PhD at Harvard University, professor of religious studies at Indiana University, has science books, articles, and current studies on the effectiveness of prayer. And just recently on Facebook, I posted an article about how she took the scientific method to one particular ministry um, amongst missionaries that are out in Africa and, and documented the answers to prayer and the miracles and the healings that took place. So, but when people when people are doing these studies, they're examining the people who get healed and the prayers who get answered, and they're saying, "How do we explain this?" Um, but. As Christians, we know that people do get healed, and we know that prayers get answered, and that's not the question that we've got. The question that we've got is, well, what about the prayers that haven't been answered? What about those situations? So last week, we looked at how prayer changes things, and this week, we're going to look at how prayer changes you. Prayer changes me. Because when we pray, not only do the things that we pray about are affected, we ourselves are affected. Very often, 
We can pray about something, and before we started praying about it, we had one mindset. We were convinced we knew what the outcome should be, and that's what we're going to pray about. But sometimes, once we start praying about things, uh, deep within us, our intuition, our conscience, uh, the thoughts of our mind, the feelings of our heart begin to get stirred up by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, by the time you've finished praying, you've actually changed your mind about the, th- about the outcome you're looking for. Sometimes prayer changes things. Other times, prayer changes us so that we are equipped to deal with the things. Let me give you an example separate from prayer. I want you to think about the area of personal growth, personal development, self-help, all of that kind of stuff, right? Usually when people get into that, when they start buying those kinds of books and going to those kinds of seminars, usually it's because they have a problem or numerous problems in their life that they want to fix. You know, it's like, I'm about to go bankrupt. Maybe I should find out about budgeting and how that works. You know, that kind of thing. Usually there is pain involved before we are actually motivated to do something about our situation, right? So whatever it is in any area, finances, relationships, confidence, self-esteem, business, all of those areas of personal growth, very often people get into that to begin with um, because they've got a problem they want to fix, that needs to be fixed. And also they're looking for the easiest way possible to fix it. That's why usually the very first personal growth book that anybody ever reads is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Because everybody says, I want to grow rich. And if all I need to do is think, I can do that. You know, that's easy. I can just sit and think and grow rich. That sounds good. That's usually the first book they buy. And so uh, people um, want to solve their problems and they get into personal growth as a result. But anyone who's into personal growth, who reads those kinds of books and goes to those kinds of seminars and so on, you know that at some point a shift comes. And the shift comes from, I want to fix all the things that are wrong in my life, to, I want to fix all the things that are wrong in me. That's different. And all of a sudden, instead of, um, you know, jumping into personal growth because you're in a panic. Oh, oh my goodness, I need to fix this problem and I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, as you grow as a person, you find that it's more a case of, I can handle that situation. I'm more confident in that area. I know not to get myself in an emotional state. I know getting in an emotional state actually will cause me to make the wrong decisions. I'm going to stay calm. All of a sudden, you are beginning to change as a person, and you're beginning to cope with things that just a couple of years ago you couldn't cope with, and you got into all of this growth stuff so that you could get rid of this problem, and now the problem that you wanted rid of in the first place doesn't even bother you anymore, because you've grown as a person. You are internally stronger and able to carry more weight in life. Now, take that analogy and put it on to prayer. Prayer can change things, and usually, the, I mean, the, the reason people, you know the old saying that there's, there's no, there are no atheists in a war? 
because as soon as the bombs start falling, they start praying, you know? And so, um, like, usually people start praying because there's an emergency that needs to be fixed. But if you give yourself to prayer, you will find out that as important as it is that prayer changes things, there's a step even greater than that. And that's when prayer changes you so that you're able to actually cope with the affairs of life rather than actually panic and ask God to bail you out all the time. Let's look at some scripture verses here. In Matthew 26, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays this prayer, not my will, but yours be done. Now that is, there is a place that you come to in life when you, be, you can be, I'm praying about, oh I want this to be done and I want that to be done and I want a new car and a new job and I'm going to pray about all these things and everything else. And then, all, but as you mature, sometimes you think, you know, it's nice to have a new car and a new job, but you know what the best thing is? It is just so much better to be in the will of God, to be living in the favor and in the blessing of God. Lord, I'm praying not just for all my wants and wishes and desires and will to be done. Let your will be done in my life. Make me into the person you want me to be. Lead me down the path you've prepared for me. Not my will, but yours be done. In Ephesians 6, Paul is writing to the Christians at Ephesus and he says this, pray for me too. He's asked them to pray about this and pray about that. And then he says, pray for me. Don't just pray that things change, pray that I change. Pray for me too, that God will give me the right words so that I can boldly explain his mysterious plan. That is the good news. So he's saying, he, he, you know, he's going to go preaching. And he doesn't say, pray that the meetings are a success. Pray that people show up. Pray that people are converted. He says, pray for me that my heart is so changed so that I'm able to communicate the message properly. Or uh, David says in, in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Change me. My prayer is that you would change me, Lord. Then in Psalm 139, he says there, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Change me. Change me into the person that I'm supposed to be. Prayer changes me. Now, all of those verses there, we could, we, we could just um, categorize them like this, as three forms of prayer. Last week, we looked at three, three forms of prayer where you can pray to change things. And this is three forms of prayer that you can pray to change yourself. The first one is prayer of communion, having communion with God. I don't mean taking communion, I mean having fellowship with God. You know when we worship, when we sing these songs that we've just been singing here, that's not like, that's not like the warm-up time, you know? You know like um, if you go to a TV show and uh, some late night uh, you know, host is going to come out, if you go to the show, what you don't see when you're watching on television is 
that some comedian or somebody comes out and tries to warm the crowd all up before the cameras start rolling so that they're already cheering from the very first second. I've thought about doing that here occasionally, actually. But, um, and they're trying to get the people warmed up before the event starts. Listen, I know people that treat the worship music, oh, this is just to kind of warm us up a bit before we hear the message. No, it's not. It is every bit as important as the message. You know, the message is when we're listening to God speaking to us, but the worship is when we're speaking to God. Worship is prayer put to music. Let your fire burn in me, you know. Break every chain off of my life, Lord. We are singing our prayers to God and we're asking God to change us. Then there's a prayer of consecration where we consecrate our whole life to God. You know, we dedicate ourselves to God. It's good to do that every now and again, you know. It's good to just spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, is there anything in my life? You know, search my heart and see if there's anything dysfunctional or destructive in my life. I, I want to give all my thoughts, all my bad attitudes, all my dreams, my desires. I want to just consecrate every part of my life to you again, God. As we do that, our priorities begin to change and our outlook on life begins to change as well. And then there's contemplative prayer. You know, it's like meditation or mindfulness, but in the form of prayer where we sit and we bring our thoughts before God and we contemplate and we evaluate and we search our hearts and we reflect on a problem. And sometimes instead of God solving that problem, during moments of meditation and contemplative prayer, God gives you the solution for you to solve the problem yourself. And you think, you know, sometimes you're the answer to your own prayer. You pray for a problem to be solved, and instead of God solving the problem, God gives you the solution. Sometimes people pray for financial blessing, and instead of God bringing them finances, he gives them an amazing business idea. You know, you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day, or you can teach him to fish and he'll feed himself. God can give you a fish, or he can give you a $50 bill, or he can give you an amazing idea that will enable you to feed yourself forever. Beloved, we saw it last week, dear friend, I pray that you would prosper in every area and enjoy health as your soul prospers, as you're changed on the inside, things change on the outside. I've got a great quote here from Mother Teresa, I think it is, Mother Teresa. She says, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or that. Now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, what I can do. Um, what I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. You know, folks, it is great when prayer changes things. And 
We talked about it last week. And like, I encourage you, pray, believing that things will change. But know there's a step even beyond that. If you're praying about something and it looks like nothing is shifting, maybe it's not the thing that needs to change. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your attitude towards it, your perspective on it. Maybe you need wisdom and how to deal with it. You know, it's... Um, You've got a teenage son who's a drug addict and who's not at home and you don't know where they are and <clears throat> you're praying for them and, and you make contact with them and, and um, you're wanting an instant miracle to change, but some, maybe it's you that needs to change. Maybe you need God to give you patience in dealing with him and wisdom in knowing what to say and when to shut up. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we can actually be causing the problems that we're praying to change. Here's another quote by Oswald Chambers. He says, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me, then I change things. God has established things so that prayer on the basis of redemption changes the way a person looks at things. Prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. Now, both Mother Teresa and, and Oswald Chambers would have had plenty of stories of miraculous answers to prayer. They are not saying that there aren't miraculous answers to prayer, but they're saying there's an attitude and a perspective beyond that where God is at work in your life and when he changes you. There's a very famous prayer like this. It's the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. I'm sure you've heard it and you know it. Where instead of him praying, Oh God, put an end to injustice in the world. Oh God, put an end to unhappiness in the world. It's God, change me so that I can bring justice and happiness into the world. Look at this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Do you know he's not praying for an end to all the world's troubles? Lord, I pray that no one would be sad in the world. He doesn't pray that. He says, Lord, I pray that you would use me to banish sadness in everyone I meet and to bring joy and happiness. He doesn't say, Lord, I pray that no one in the world would be lonely. He is, Lord, every time I come across a lonely person, may I be a loving person to them. That's how things change. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoning, pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Prayer changes us, and then we change things. 
And when prayer changes us, it brings us to a new perspective on life. And this is something that that has really, really helped me over the years. Put the next slide up, and I'll show you what the next perspective is. Sorry, not that. Is there another one? The one that's let everything be okay? There it is. Let everything be okay just the way it is. If you can get this perspective on life, it will really help you. If you can get this perspective that, because sometimes things happen in our life and you're not okay with it. And so you panic. But because you're a Christian, instead of calling it a panic attack, you call it a prayer session. But it's the same thing. You're basically panicking in prayer. Oh Lord, oh Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. I'm drowning. You need to change. If you don't change this quickly, my head's going to explode. You need to do something. But when prayer changes you, you can hear of terrible circumstances. The Bible says that the righteous will not be moved when bad tidings are brought to them. When we're changed, we can let everything be okay just the way it is. I don't have to control this situation in order to have peace of mind. I don't want this situation to be like that. I prefer it to be a different way, but my happiness and peace is not dependent upon that circumstance being a certain way. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And I'm not going to allow my happiness and my peace to be dependent upon circumstances being a certain way. I may want them to be a different way. I may prefer them to be different. I may pray that they change. I may work towards them changing. But I am going to be okay just the way things are because my hope is built on Jesus Christ, not in circumstances. Now, I've told you this story before. I'm going to tell you again. I know when people hear it for the first time, they're shocked but, uh, uh, because they think it's not nice or something like that. But th- this was really helpful. When I was a very young Christian, um, I was married for a few years. My first wife left me and went away with another guy to start a new relationship. And I was left as a single parent of two little boys, age one and two. And, um, and so I was really distraught about all of this. I was heartbroken. I was confused. I was distraught. And I went into one of these prayer panics where I wanted to pray. And I wanted to call a thousand people on the phone and get them all to pray. Pray that God fixes this. Pray that my marriage is restored. Pray that she comes to her senses. Pray that the boys don't lose their mother. All of this kind of stuff. This prayer panic. And I had a spiritual father, a real mentor in my life, Archbishop Victor Enable from Nigeria in Africa. And he didn't know about this. It had only happened a few days. And he called me um, on the phone. And the phone rang and answered it. And he said in his big, deep Nigerian voice, Hello, my son, how are you? And I burst into tears and says, My wife left me and I don't know what to do. Because everybody was giving me sympathy, you know. And I was being a little victim, you know. And, and I don't know what to do. And I off I went on and he shouted on the phone, Shut up! Shut your stupid mouth, he said. Well, what? Nobody had said that to me. And then he says, get a bit of perspective. You've lost your wife. You've not lost your salvation. And then he said, 
God will never leave you or forsake you. So whatever the future holds in store, it's going to be all right. And it shook me right out of it. I learned a big lesson that day. My happiness and peace cannot be based upon the outward circumstances, but the inner grounding in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will never leave me and never forsake me. Let everything be okay just the way it is. Sorry, could you put that uh, James one up? Uh, I know I should have put it up earlier. James, here's a prayer that changes you. You've got a situation. It's bothering you. You've prayed and you've asked God to change the situation, but the situation hasn't changed. What do you pray about now? You pray for wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, he should pray to God. Who will give it to you? Um, Because God gives generously and graciously to all. God is not stingy. But when you pray, you must believe and not doubt at all. Whoever doubts is like a wave in the sea that's driven and blown about by the wind. If you're like that, unable to make your mind up, Um, and undecided in all you do, you must not think that you will receive anything from the Lord. It doesn't say the Lord won't give. He will give. In fact, it says he will give generously and graciously. But it's like the Lord's pouring it out here, but you're over here, and then maybe I want it. Oh no, now I'm over here. It's like you can't catch the blessing because you're believing and you're doubting, and maybe I want this, and maybe I don't want that, and I prayed about it before, and my prayer never got answered. Because it's time to stop praying about the thing and start praying about you, that God will give you wisdom, and that that wisdom will enable you and equip you to deal with the situation. One last passage, it's Philippians, and then we're going to pray. Philippians 4 says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. People, you have to sometimes get your attitude right before you get into prayer. And he's saying, you know, go filled with joy. Go filled with enthusiasm. Show a gentle attitude towards others. For the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, we pray about things because we want the thing to change, but look at the next sentence. The biggest thing that's going to change is you. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I want you 
to try and sit as comfortably as you can in your chair. We're going to pray just now. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to There's an old worship song, and I just want to quote these words. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want you, as you, as your eyes are closed, and as you come into an attitude of prayer, to just let the things of earth grow strangely dim right now. Let everything melt away and begin to focus on the presence of God right now. And I'm going to just lead us, as we sit here, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And as you say this prayer, I'm asking you to let go of everything that is weighing heavy upon you and let the Spirit of God do a work in your mind, your thoughts, your heart, your emotions begin to change. Let's say together, right here and right now, I bring all my concerns to God. My worries, anxieties, fears, and doubts I place them in the Father's hands. Search my heart, O God. Show me anything destructive in my life. Pluck out every toxic weed that is growing in my heart and mind. Plant your seeds of peace and joy deep within me. Give me wisdom, guidance, and confidence to face every battle and come out blessed. Change my life, O Lord. And through me, change and bless others. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, I want us to stay in this attitude of prayer, but stand up. Let's all stand up together. I want you to lift your hands up high. We're going to make an affirmation of faith together here today. We're going to say, in Jesus' name, I believe my God is at work in my life, changing me, filling me, and using me to impact this world in a positive way. I believe it, and I receive it, in Jesus' name.